Hi, welcome to the Chasing Brighter podcast with your hosts, Kelly and Jessica. Join us on our journey to find the best versions of ourselves. Kelly, I know that we're obsessed with longevity, um, having glowing skin, um, healing our gut, and I love Warrior Strong Wellness products. Um, we love, we talk all the time, the multi-collagen protein powder, the collagen tides and bone broth. But I'm also obsessed with the ashwagandha. Um, it really helps me manage my stress levels and stay calm. Um, Kel, are you adding ashwagandha into your routine, your supplement routine? I am. Jess, you remember I was having all these like stressful, this stressful situation happening with my kitchen reno. And yeah. I started taking two of these a day in the morning. Mm-hmm. And I just noticed a level of calmness that um, I'm able to sustain throughout the day that really helps me not feel so anxious. Yeah, I was taking two in the morning and two at night. I stopped taking my two in the morning because I was like, is this really doing something? And then it, like my, I feel it. You know, when you wake up and you're stressed, you kind of feel it in your stomach, you feel it in your chest. Just taking two in the morning really helps me feel calmer. Um, and if you check it out on Warrior Strong Wellness, coupon code Chasing Brighter, that's one word, Chasing Brighter for 10% off. We are so excited today um, to have Dr. Kareen Cherik join us. Um, She focuses on personal and spiritual recovery. She empowers her clients for hope, personal growth, and spiritual transformation, no matter what their belief or philosophy. Healing from cancer resulted in Dr. Cherik working as a spiritual counselor medium until the deaths of her daughter and granddaughter. Tenacious and her personal spiritual transformation, she uniquely blends her education, experiences, growth, and healing. She is a master board-certified clinical chaplain with a PhD in philosophy, specializing in transpersonal counseling. Welcome, Kareen. We're so excited yes, to have welcome, you today. Kareen. Thank you so much. It's a joy to be here. Thank you. Um, you know, what we um, have talked about focusing on is, you know, um, there has been um, so much death happening around us, um, a lot of loss, a lot of grief, um, and it can be really uncomfortable um, for a lot of us to talk about that. Um, and so we are we are happy to have you here, you know, as an expert, um, kind of guiding us through that. So we'd love to hear um, about your personal journey. Okay. So as you said, I was working as so I was healed of cancer in 1996. And within a couple of years, what had already been gifts I had my whole life, but they were pretty much squashed down. They came out like on steroids. So a friend of mine had died from my meditation group, Matthew, and he started showing up in my meditations every morning. And then eventually he started bringing me people. He he started bringing people through and I didn't know what was happening. I actually thought I was possessed and went to a psychiatrist, (laughs) Dr. Raymond Moody, who was the head of our consciousness department at UNLV. And he's like, you've been gifted. There's nothing wrong with you. You need to get a license and hang hang a shingle because you've been gifted. So that's what I did. Took me two years to get licensed because a lot of people don't want a spiritual medium in their strip mall because then they can't have alcohol like like they think you're going to create a church and then they're afraid because of that but anyway i was working as a medium probably uh 2000 to 2002 and then unexpectedly my daughter was pregnant and she was um infected with a virus and her and her my 10 day old granddaughter died within six days of each other and my whole life turned upside down and i honestly i thought i understood grief before this i thought i had lost best friends i had lost relatives um i had been around grief I was to a hospice volunteer i had been so much around it and nothing had prepared me for what was about to happen even being a medium What I will say is, thank God I was a medium for those two years, because what I saw in my practice, I know that we don't die. I believe with all my heart that there's life after death, there's life before death. And even though uh, people would say, well, you were medium, couldn't you just talk to her? No, it's not like you dial up on a phone. Mm -hmm. You don't, it doesn't work that way. And grief will, grief drops us down our vibration, no matter where you are, when someone's grieving, um, Dr. David Hawkins has a a visual of a pyramid of of our emotions. And if you don't have it, I'll send it to you. But grief is at the very bottom. I think the only thing below it is shame and and, and one more because it it just brings us down. And the physical Mm -hmm. body has to 
grieve, as well as the emotional, spiritual, psychological, all aspects of us are grieving. So the actually, when the girls were in the hospital, I thought she was a Reiki practitioner. I'm a Reiki master as well. I thought because I was healed of cancer, this was her 911. This was her big scare. And she was going to have this big miracle happen like I did. And then her whole life changed. Well, so I kept praying for divine healing and divine timing for both of them. Well, when my granddaughter died first in my arm, she was my very first actual live death. And it was the most beautiful experience of my life outside of birthing my daughter. But because she was a baby and because we took her off life support and she simply just went to sleep, it was just like watching her go to sleep forever. And we were surrounded with people who were singing and praying with us. I mean, we we everybody was trying to help. But anyway, my daughter was in a coma in a different hospital while when Drew died in my arms. So we went to Jess's hospital where she was at and her whole room was lit up. And I was in shock, I know, and grace. But I kept thinking, why do they have more lights on today? Didn't occur to me that Drew and her entourage were there saying goodbye to her mother. Yeah. And I would find that out later from a psychic, but I didn't know that at the time. But anyway, um, they die. And of course, I go into shock and grief, which people will say, oh, I'm not in shock. I know that they've died. No, we're in shock. Our whole our whole being is assaulted, I think, when people die, depending on the severity of the on the of the loss and the relationship and how they died. It can be different for people, but a, the loss of a child, I don't know anybody who isn't devastated. Mm. I also mm-hmm. think like we don't in America, I mean, I only know American society, but like we don't allow space for that. You know what I mean? Like, I know, like, if someone dies, like your work is like, it has to be a parent or your spouse, the end, and then you need to be back at work. You can have 48 hours um, to grieve, and then you need to get back to it. And there's not like space for it. Right. My husband gave me a month. He said, (laughs) I was working as a meeting. like, you'll you'll be better in a month. We just got married the week they died on top of it. That's another conversation for another day. But it was like, I was at the top of my game. I was starting to speak. I was writing a book, everything. I was getting remarried for the first time since her dad died. Well, we were divorced, but her dad died many, many moons ago. And so she was having a baby. Like this was the time of our life. And it all came crashing down all at the same time. Mm-hmm. And what I thought was I never, I never got mad at God and I never got mad at my daughter. Now, my daughter, I had a few words for her, but not anger, like, like, why did you leave me? I knew when her daughter died, her dad died when she was seven, her baby girl dies. I I know I'm out. I know, I know she's going to go like, there's no doubt in my mind. And she told me the December before at Christmas, she said, mom, I told God, I don't want to be here another year by myself. She wanted a partner so bad Mm -hmm. and the baby daddy wasn't going to marry her. And so she's, she was like, you know, she was having the baby and she was excited to have her. And there's a whole nother conversation about that too. There were a lot of dreams and premonitions, not only that she had, I had, and her friends had. I dreamt her watch broke. Didn't occur to me her time was up. Her friend dreamt that, her friend Letty dreamt that she hit the jackpot in August. And and so she said, Mom, Letty said, I'm going to hit the jackpot. Like, it's bigger than winning the lottery and having Drew, my, my granddaughter, all at the same time. She said, what would that be? And I said, that would be having all the love in the world come to you. Well, Drew was born August 9th. Funny, we're doing this August 1st anyway. Mm-hmm. She was born August 9th. Jess was put in ICU August 10th. Drew died August 19th. I got married August 24th and Jess died August 25th. Oh and her gosh. dad died August 29th. So it's like August is our month. Yeah. And it all it all happened. And so to to we'll fast forward a little bit. So grief took over. I was I was a hot mess. Of course, I sought out psychics and mediums because I wanted to hear anything. I could hear her once in a while, like on the plane coming home from, we did two memorials, one here in Vegas and then one in Omaha where we're from. When we did the memorial in Omaha, I was due to fly home on 9-11. I'm like, oh, hell no. (laughs) I'm not, this was a year late. This was, yeah, this was a year later. So I changed it to the 10th and I'm on the plane and there's nobody on the plane and I'm laying down because it's late at night and I'm trying to take a nap and I'm talking to my daughter and she goes, mom, I'm right here. You of all people know that. And I go, yes, but I can't feel you. And so she was there, but I couldn't breathe her in. Anyway, grief took its toll. And I'm going to say this right now. 
this might help somebody else. I am not telling people how to grieve and what to do. I later learned that I had a sugar addiction and I had it my whole life. And I think it numbed and dulled and kept me separate from spirit. And so I gained weight grieving, but I also couldn't hear as easily because I, I wasn't using sugar when before they died. I was off mm. sugar. And so I was using it to cope. Like her favorite dessert was cheesecake factory cheesecake. And her favorite food was pizza. So guess what I ate for six months? All mm -hmm. the pizza and cheesecake. So I was a mess. I gained a bunch of weight. But anyway, I do think that people need to find their own coping mechanisms. I didn't stop meditating, but I couldn't get very far. And it just, it over to overwhelmed me. Plus I had a whole house to take care of. You know, I had to let go of a nursery. I had so many things to do. And I think that's the blessing of grieving. And, and I say this as hard as it is, we're distracted with all the to-dos, mm -hmm. closing up the state, all those things we have to do. If you have legal issues, it's overwhelming. If you have, you know, we had a trust, there's all these things you have to take care of. And it, then it stirs up her dad dying. It just stirs everything up. And, it, and you have enough to deal with, with just the loss. So I want to go back to what you said, because this is how I feel, especially since COVID. When COVID hit, I felt like, oh my gosh, this is why I stayed because I saw the gifts that were coming from it. But the, but the world, we're on the Titanic. We hit the iceberg. Everybody has to get in their own life raft and find their own GPS. God-powered steering, God-powered sight, whatever you want to call it. So any of us, if we haven't done our work, we had this golden opportunity, whatever bubbled up to start. Look at counseling. It's, it's, it's taking mm -hmm. off like crazy. Of course, mm -hmm. with the death, so is mediumship and spirituality and all of that. But if this, if we really are in an ascension process, which is what my community, my metaphysical community believes, then we have to start the transformation. You have the breakdown to have the breakthrough. When mm -hmm. someone dies in anyone's life, those ripples usually go out thousands of places you know, uh, between friends, family, co colleagues, when I say thousands, because each of those people that are affected, each of their people are affected. Yeah. It just keeps going out like a, yeah. like, like the ripples in the, the tide in the ocean. And when I look at it now, you mentioned a minute ago, um, how things are happening. Grief was so misunderstood. I think COVID has given us a, a, an ideal time to focus on grief. It's exploding with people now interested. Dr. Ellen Wolfelt's been around for a long time. He has a wonderful center for transitions in Colorado, who I did train with him a little bit. But I feel like, and this is where I'll, I'll go back to my story. When the girls died, I, could, I couldn't work. I, I don't think I even tried to work as a medium after they died once. I went to a counselor and she said, absolutely not. And she was metaphysical and spiritual. She's like, there is no way I want you tethering between the other side and this side. And she was right. I probably wouldn't have come back if I would have had a choice. And I don't mean that I wanted to kill myself or not live. I wanted to be with them. Yeah. That's all I wanted. I wanted to be with them. So I stopped that and actually um, created a foundation in their memory based on what they died from. And so that was my distraction. But it took years of me grieving and I studied grief. I went to the, I went to Germany and studied the Holocaust. I went to France and studied the French revolution, studied the civil war. Um, I, Victor Frankl is one of my favorite authors, Man's Search for Meaning. I wanted to know, I wanted to know the people who suffered like I felt I was suffering. I mm -hmm. thought, I really thought I knew grief. I had no idea. There was nothing that prepared me for what I was going through. So I just kept reading. I have hundreds of books on grief and life after death and do we really die and where do we go and what happens? And all of that was somewhat comforting and kept me semi-grounded but what what really transformed um one of my new best friends she lost a daughter as well we became friends and got involved with the compassionate friends and there's wonderful groups out there for people who are grieving children compassionate friends is for um parents and grandparents that have and siblings mm. that have lost a family member and then another person i met along the journey um susan whitmore she has grief haven in california and these are online groups where there's chat rooms people need support therapy's great all the modalities you can do i did hypnotherapy reiki healing touch uh, chiropractic 
you name it, I, holistic, functional medicine, Chinese medicine, whatever. I didn't take any drugs. I didn't want to. I wanted to go as natural as possible mm-hmm. because after my healing from cancer, I'm I'm gluten intolerant. I don't do gluten, sugar, flour, alcohol, none of that anymore. And that's what I want to fast forward to. I spent 14 years studying. And I during that time, I became a chaplain. And that program, it ended up taking me three or four years because one of the programs fell apart and a new one was created. And I went with the World Spiritual Health Organization. But I started that process probably in, in 08 or 09 and then finished in 2012, right about the time my dad died. But that program was so wonderful because the chaplain program was at the hospital my granddaughter died in. And when I went for the interview, I couldn't stop crying. And I thought they were going to fight. Let's say, we can't have you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Instead, they said, your tears are welcome here. And I thought, you're going to let me come here? And they said, we promise you, we won't turn you loose if we don't think you're ready. So I met with the first chaplain, and that's what he said. Then I met with the supervisor, um, and he said, I was crying again, and he said, look, I'm okay that your heart is broken. At least it's open. Yeah. I knew I was in the right place when mm-hmm. he said that. That's Chaplain Mark Allison. He's the founder of World Spiritual Health Organization. So I was in the program for a couple of years, and we had to do verbatims. And for anybody who knows anything about master level um, education, you have to get in there and do your own work. They, we need to know where the transference and counter-transference is going on. What What's going on here? Where do you need to work on yourself? And so it was great because my very first solo was a fetal demise, which is when a baby dies in the same hospital my granddaughter died in. Almost the same, not the same virus, but, but mm-hmm. similar circumstances. And I remember walking in the bathroom and saying, all right, God, if you really think I'm ready, you're going to have to help me because I can't let my personal feelings mm-hmm. show up here. And I walked in that room and spirit took over and I aced it. It was a home run. I was able to support her. She hadn't even seen her baby yet. And I don't know why. I don't remember what the circumstances were, but I got a hold of the people I needed to get a hold of. And I said, this young lady needs to see her baby before she goes home and stayed with her while she held her everything I went through myself. And then she, so she was able to go home in peace. And when I say in peace, at least so she could start her grieving process, all the things I had went through were used so beautifully to help other people. And the person who encouraged me to be a chaplain is my best friend, Lisa. She's a, a, a ICU nurse, or she was. Now she's a professor. But she said to me, she goes, Corrine, you do this naturally. Why don't you go get 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 board certified? Because we hospice always threatens they're going to require that. But go get the credentials and go through the training so you can work out a lot more of your own issues and then go. So I worked in hospice for five years. So I, wow. I've got my master's and then worked in hospice for five years. And this is where it really changed. So I thought, this is great. I did this. I wanted to make peace with death. I, I I, probably did. I don't know how many funerals and celebrations of life. And because I had, I had created my daughter and granddaughter's celebration of life, it is a person's last celebration. Usually it's the last party or, or group thing, gathering you're going to have for mm-hmm. them. And I remember thinking whenever I would do something for people, I would get to know the family and say, I would interview them and put something together. So people who came left knowing more than they knew before they walked in, even if it was family. So I prided myself in honoring that person's life and their soul. And I did this. I did for them what I would do for my own family, maybe not to the whole extent, but as much as I could. So I did that for five years. And then I went to work for a treatment center for as the, as the chaplain to provide spiritual counseling. And this is going to lead to what we're going to talk about as well. I work with so many young people and they're they're so sensitive and they have a really hard time being on this planet. It's so convoluted and chaotic and their little indigos or their little crystal and rainbow children just trying to find a way to navigate through this life and and they end up on drugs or on out addicted to something and they end up dying because of the fentanyl or something or they overdose and I I can't tell you how many people I worked with that they would, we, I would talk to them about spirituality and they were just, they were oozing for it. We all know a lot of people are not real thrilled with organized religion today. And it's not that religion isn't great and the sacred texts have their purpose. It's what's happened. It's the greed. It's the way it's been used to control mm-hmm. and all of that. So they're, they're on, we're, we're on this planet earth and we're like, 
I don't like this. I don't like this. Where do we go? Everything's breaking down. It seems, it feels like. So instead of panicking, I encourage them to go inside and develop their own higher power. If they've got Mm -hmm. a God, if they have a belief system, some people are atheists and that's fine. They believe in love. Love's a higher power. As long as the power is greater than them, they've got something to hold on to. When we're surrendering our addiction, and I'll speak for myself as, as an ad, a recovering addict, it has to be bigger than us. It, I'm not big enough to, I, th- I think I can control things. Obviously, I couldn't or I wouldn't have spent 60 years addicted. So what happened was I was working at the treatment center and a friend called me and said, hey, I need I need your help. I, my minor is in HR management. And he was going to he was had a casino and a gentleman's club and two casinos downtown. And he said, would you come help me hire another HR manager? And I said, I did it before. And I said, sure, I'll come back and help you because I could use the money. And I wanted to have um, I wanted to help him. He's my friend. I was at this place and I knew I knew we were closing. He sold the place and I was going to have to lay off these 200 people and I'm starting to eat and I can't stop. I can't get enough sugar to numb. I don't want to lay off 200 people. Mm-hmm. I tell these people, I'm so sorry, you don't have a job come June 30th or whatever it was. And I thought, here I am on this spiritual path and I think I'm I'm getting my act together. I'm not quite at acceptance with the girls' deaths yet, but I'm on my way. My insides felt just like their outsides looked. What's the difference? What's going on here? What's And I thought, what is wrong with me? And I prayed and asked God for a new uh, 12-step program or study group or something to help me because I looked at Al-Anon, Naranon, all these different 12-step programs, but I never saw myself as a food addict. And I went to a food addiction program. And again, another conversation for another day, but I went off flour, sugar, and alcohol July 4th of 2016. And my life hasn't been the same since. Within 30 wow. days, the clarity came, the flashes came, revelations came. I, I, I couldn't believe what was happening to me. And within a year, my grief is healed. My heart was healed. I have no more grief. That doesn't mean I don't get tears once in a sure. while if I see their things, but I have no missing, no aching heart. I can walk through Hallmark now and see a card that says mother, daughter, granddaughter. <laughs> I don't get the dagger anymore. Yeah. And I, I did a lot of healing work. Please don't let me act like I didn't. I've done a lot of healing work with right. a lot of healers, but it came to fruition when I got clean. And was well, that like you were saying like a 14 year, 14 years or? What? I went 14 years of, of getting, becoming a chaplain and all those other things. I was pretty good, Jessica. What I would say was like, the, so August, the August, I would take three weeks off. August was stay, you know, I got to, I got to protect mm-hmm. myself mm-hmm. as much as I can. Um, because I would still go down the rabbit hole and that rabbit hole hurt that, that hole in my heart was so big and, and all the flour, sugar and alcohol wasn't going to fix it. And my alcohol wasn't drinks. It was homeopathic remedies, rescue remedy it, for people who aren't addicted. It's great because it just brings you, it just takes the edge off your grief or your emotions. And I was using it every day, not thinking I was addicted, thinking I needed it. Who, who wouldn't need it in my circumstances is how I thought I, mean, I, I justified it. So once I was off everything and I, my body was clean when I meditate. So my granddaughter came to me, this was so beautiful. She came to me like the baby in my arms, so I would know it was her. And then she flashed into this goddess with this beautiful golden hair to let me know this is who I really am now. Mm -hmm. My daughter came to me and she swirled around and she showed me what she looked like. But then she too went into her, I think her higher self is what I would call it. And then they eventually I did some hypnosis and they came into me and they haven't left. So now we are truly, truly one. And that's where to me, the wholeness. Like when I look at recovery and grieving, everything I think we do is, is recovery. We're recovering the fragmented parts of ourself that we lost along the way in this lifetime, whether it's from childhood or adulthood, it doesn't matter. If something happened when we're a child, if we're wounded or abused or, or somebody dies or we're in an accident or we see an accident, there's all kinds of ways to pick up wounds, right? We can get them from all different places. We spend the rest of our life kind of Freud we, we, from 18 on. Once we become an adult, it's our responsibility to address whatever we need to and go forward. So to me, that's what recovery is. You don't have to be in 12 step recovery, but recovery of the soul is is what what can I you know, what can I work on today? 
if something comes up or if you get triggered by somebody, that's a golden opportunity. It's not, nothing's wrong and no one's bad. It's, oh, yeah. I'm getting a rub. What, what What's that about? And, well, and I, I think go- that's, I mean, just he- hearing your story is amazing, Kareen. And um, what I'm so um, inspired by is just, you seem to be a, always looking for answers in some way and always seeking different ways and being open, right. To different, um, different ways of learning too. Do you feel like if you look at even going back to your childhood, like how, how you grew up and what even sort of got you to think about that? Cause I think that's one of the things that a lot of people who struggle with grief, they can't get themselves out of it. Right. They can't, they can't figure out how to help themselves. So what I would say, I, I've done a lot of work, and this is this is why I like doing the work. When I was when my mom was pregnant with me, her favorite uncle was dying of cancer. I would I had grief in utero. Mm. So when he when I when I when I was born, she couldn't nurse me. Then my uncle, her uncle died. And when she told me the story, I thought, well, then I end up with cancer three times and I'm and I have grief my whole life. It's not an accident, it's not a coincidence. It was destiny to me. And so I was raised Catholic. That has a whole nother conversation about Mm -hmm. it. Um, But from the time I was born, so I think uh, uh, Uncle Johnny died a few days after I was born. I know that my great-grandmother, my mom's, my maternal great-grandmother, she died. And then my another grandmother, they died after I was born. One died of grief. Her husband died when she when he was 40. And then her 23-year-old, I think, daughter died of they back when they had like rheumatic fever. Mm-hmm. She died as an adult um, of complications. And then the other grandmother died of cervical cancer. I was healed of cervical cancer. Now I've been healed of grief. I don't think it's mm-hmm. any coincidence that all that yeah. happened. Wow. So that's that we'll get into that another time, but generational trauma or, or mm-hmm. healing the ancestral line, all of that happened for me too. But Kelly, to answer your question, I, I do use astrology. I'm not an astrologer, but I've studied astrology a little bit. I think some of us come in with an angel on our shoulder, or we come in with a guide. We all come in with angels, mm-hmm. I think, but I do think some of us have that optimism. Like I was a cheerleader in high school. Obviously I'm a good cheerleader. Like I, I love to support people, but that was innate. That came with me. And to answer your question, I was in a very um, tumultuous family. I love my parents very much, but abuse, addiction, all of that existed. And I think that not only did I develop like dyslexia and some learning disabilities, that's how you cope with the good people are bad. What am I supposed to do with that? These are the people who love me. Why am I feeling so unloved? Mm-hmm. So, we, you know, we can develop different um, coping mechanisms mm-hmm. that later look like a disorder. But if we treat it, it beca- all those defects become assets. Yeah. And that's why that's what I love about 12 step recovery, because there's all these work, all these steps you can go through with a sponsor on your own. I, I'm not I'm all for counseling. Obviously, I'm a counselor, but there's so much work to do. People couldn't afford to come every day. Now I know why some people did psychoanalysis every day for an hour. They needed it. They needed that kind of support. We have it in a lot of the, we have a lot of podcasts and groups and support groups now that can help people because there is a lot of work to do. If you've got any kind of addictive, abusive or grief riddled background, Mm -hmm. it's a lot to do with abandonment, all the issues that come up when people die or that can come up when people Mm -hmm. die. How do we cope with those? So um, I don't, I'm trying to think of, so I was divorced when, when, when uh, Jess's dad was in a, uh, in a horrible fire and he lived nine months in intensive care. So I think the very first counseling I did was either with her for that or no, when we got divorced, when we got divorced, I I knew I needed help. It was bigger than me. So I did go to 12, like Al-Anon and AA and all those kind of programs to try to understand because he was an alcoholic to try to understand what that was about um, because he was not in recovery. But our real, our real counseling began when Jess's dad died and she had wonderful therapist in Omaha that was just outstanding. And she, you learned the anger. My daughter was so angry and at her dad, not at her dad, at God, how could you take my daddy? So that's when the quest probably really took off was Mm -hmm. I couldn't, I couldn't just read a book now. I needed somebody professionally to help me and guide me. So um, 
Yeah. I think so- it's like, I, I, I don't want to say like an abyss, but almost like unlimited because what I'm hearing you say is you did all this work, all this work, all this work. And then this trauma happens and you, you lose your daughter and granddaughter and then um, 14 more years of work and still doing the work. And it's like, I think about, I love hearing you. I don't know if you, if you got that about your mom being pregnant from hypnotherapy. I did hypnotherapy. I did a prenatal regression and it opened my eyes up to a lot of stuff that was happening while my mom was pregnant with me and why I am the way I am. And you talk about like, we looked like before I kind of came into the realm and I had just spiritual guides everywhere, very similar to your story. I love all that. But then it's like, it's, then there's still more to do, you know? I, and so I love like Kelly saying your curiosity, open-mindedness, mm-hmm. always looking. And then it's like, oh, there's still work to do. There's still work to do, you know? And it's like, I told Kelly, you know, I did all of this work and then people are like, you're struggling with worthlessness, Jess. I'm like, damn it. You know, I was just working on this and now I've got to work on this, you know, and it's just coming on what we need to work on. So it sounds like also with grief, it just, you know, brings up more layers of things we need to continue exploring and working on. Right. And so I'm going to say this because I think we work till the day we die. And I say this because Mm -hmm. if we're, if we're, we're human beings and we barely use 7% of our brain, if we want to become fully human, wouldn't we have a better work to do to find out what's what's there? So to me, meditation, what we're talking about is self-actualization, is the process of being authentic and transparent. That's very scary. When I when I when I um in 2016, when I went off, when I got clean, I was probably 40, almost 50 pounds overweight. All that weight was packed with feelings and and, and issues I stuffed down and buried. Where was that going to go? If I would implode, if I would just say, okay, get rid of all of it at once. So you you un, you unravel the onion or yeah. you unpack it, whatever mm-hmm. word you want to use. And that's why seminars and there's, there's, I did rebirthing actually, Jess, with, to answer your question. I did rebirthing years ago where you breathe, it's all this breath work. And then I could smell the ether coming out of me. The last time I had ether was, I think when I had my tonsils out in like, you know, when I was 12 years old or something, yeah. I love the processes we have between hypnotherapy, rebirthing, all the healing modalities, um, sound baths. We have so many things to support us today, mm-hmm. but yes. And, and we're human beings. I know, I know people who have lost their children who claim they never lose connection. They don't grieve. They don't go, they don't go into grief. They stay connected and they hear their children. I don't know if they are, if they are wired differently and have a different spiritual path because I'm older and I, I think of my generation. I don't know anybody who didn't go through the traditional grief process, meaning all the phases and and mm-hmm. stages of grief. And they're hellacious. They're, they can be very painful. But if you get to acceptance, that's when the joy comes. It's like people will say to me, you, you do miss your daughter. No, I don't because she's with me every day. I don't miss her. She's where she's supposed to be in her in her where her soul is. I'm right here. But the essence of her that existed in this lifetime is with me. I don't need I don't need to. Like, I don't get me wrong. I have a picture up. I, I acknowledge their birthdays. I acknowledge them as they live. But I, their, her picture used to be in every room in my house years ago. Not necessary anymore. I don't need I don't need the props today because I know. Does that make sense? Yeah. I know. And and I, I want to tell you what happened because I did not do this by myself. So there's a wonderful woman here. Her name is Vicki Smith, and she has healing touch. And I've known her for years. We used to do sweat lodges together years ago. And after I got clean, the guy that I was working for, helping him um, sell his businesses, he gifted me several sessions with her. And I thought, oh, this is great. So I went to see her. And this was 2019 when I was finishing my PhD. And I thought, okay, I want to start dating now. I'm done with school. I want to get my act together. So she was balancing my chakras. I'm laying on her massage table. And all of a sudden, I feel like I'm levitating. Vic. I feel like I'm levitating and she says nothing. And then Jess and Drew appear and I'm like, Vic, Jess and Drew are here. And she says nothing. And they want to walk into me. And I'm like, what? And then I get in that moment. It's a oneness experience. 
And of course I say, yes, it's my daughter and granddaughter. So they walk into me and then a hundred more people show up. My first husband, my father, my best friend that died. And I'm, I'm like, I'm a little shocked. And I'm like, okay, I had to make sure that I was forgiven and they were forgiven. Cause there were a few people that were, you know, we had some hits there. Mm-hmm. About a hundred people came in and then my image of Christ consciousness showed up my image of Christ. And he said, focus on the ascension, not the crucifixion and relinquish all aspects of the savior complex. And he walked in and I have not been the same since. Now that was on top of the grief was healed, but this is a whole nother layer layer of spirituality. I'm going to go back to this ascension. And I know you talked about it before and to you, I, I guess I'm wondering if you've interpreted that or because I think about what you're talking about when you say when you're in grief, you're at a lower vibrational level, mm-hmm. right? So you're not going to be able to tap into um, what you can at a higher vibrational pattern. Yeah. And then, you know, I know you and I, we know um, Janet Hanley, Reiki Healer. And so she's yes. talked about, um, she talks about us um I don't know, kind of elevating humanity. Is that what you're hearing when you hear about like ascension? Because Janet keeps talking about the the, the babies, higher vibration, younger and, younger kids yeah. being born, and they're already like at this higher level, right. and, coming in higher, and, and that we're trying to like I think about it kind of like evolving humanity or bringing us to like a higher level or what it, what do you think of when you think about that ascension, I suppose is my question. Exactly. So, so we are in the age of Aquarius, according to the astrologers. And that started a few years ago, 2012 was a huge convergence. 2012 was a life-changing year for all of us. And that will, that will have to research to talk about it more um, authentically, Right. but, but the age of Aquarius is more recent. And what I'm going to say is that when I look at this from from my whole life now, because I can now I have a bird's eye view of at least all that I've acquired coming this coming yeah. forward. Yeah. And the ascension process to me is when the story we were told when Christ died, whatever happened, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but let's just assume what we were told is true. He ascended. That what he taught us was unconditional love and how to ascend. Other people were crucified. I, I'm not taking away from the, the the meaning of the crucifixion. I'm not touching that. It's sacred. I'm not touching that. But what he said was, love your neighbor as yourself. And then when he went to ascend, it was like he was just lifted up. So I do believe that we will have a day. And I don't know if I'll see it or you'll see it. But I do believe that humanity will see a day when people don't die, they'll ascend. They'll be able to go mm-hmm. up. We won't have to go through the death process. Not positive, but that's what I believe. Yeah. I yeah. And so what I'm going to say to you, and I'm going to share a story because this is so beautiful. So there's a, there's a man named Lee Carroll who wrote the book, wrote a book, Indigo Children. He channels an entity called Cryon, K-R-Y-O-N. One year I was working with another chaplain. He had lost a granddaughter and a son. And they were working in Europe and I was going to go take, replace them. So we were getting to know each other. And, um, but I, when I heard his son died, I was crying and, and praying for him. And I, I was like, please, God, give me something to listen to. Because, you know, at that time I wasn't healed yet. And every time I heard somebody lost a child, I knew what they were possibly going to go through. And I'm like, no, not another one. We don't want any more people in our club. Yeah. And I listened to this podcast that night and I have it and I'll send it to you if you want it. But it's um, it's called the Great Split, and he says this is this is the Cryon entity speaking through Lee Carroll, and he says, "I've looked into the eyes of a soul who knew potentially before it was born that it had the potential to die as a child." And you would ask, you know, why would a soul do this? And th- and he was talking as much about miscarriages and possibly abortions because he was talking about babies that died. But it it applies to anybody. But he said, he said, when a child dies, it takes the family's emotions to zero. They cry out in anger. They cry out in other things, but they always cry out in sorrow. And he said, but then if they choose, they can end up bringing more light to the planet than they would have had that soul not said yes. And 
When I heard this, I was bawling, just sobbing. And I thought, oh my God, did my girls sign up for this, for our family? So, so we would have this horrific breakdown. So any of us who choose, chose to could, could go inside and find our true higher self and connect to source and be able to bring light to this planet. Well, that's what happened. So finding, to me, I, I hear you saying like finding meaning and purpose in the loss. Purpose, meaning. I just flew home from a, a, a memorial from my cousin's husband and I was on the plane and I wasn't talking to anybody. And the woman sitting next to me, I had noticed her feet in the bathroom and I just, I noticed her feet for whatever reason. Well, she ends up talking to me for a second. This is how God works. This is how my life works. This is going to tie together. She starts talking to me and, and I don't know what she said. We both lost our only daughters. We both they, we both went through hellacious experiences, years of, of issues before they died, whether it was mental, physical, or, or spiritual. We both were raised Catholic. She became a hypnotherapist after she healed enough and she worked with children in a, in a grief, uh, in hospice. We were just sitting there with tears streaming because we were- wow. Kindred souls that yeah. never met her before. We, we, I will stay connected to her. I wish she were still in practice. I would have a lot of people to yeah. send her because people who lose a child, they want to go to somebody who understands. And there are, there are therapists and counselors and, and psychologists and doctors who have been through the experience. Not yeah. all have the same experience, but not all want to do that. And so I'm going to full circle this. I chose to do the work I'm doing now, especially after I healed because I want a safe place for people to come. I want to be able to acknowledge, people want to be heard. They want to feel acknowledged. Even husbands who are grieving a child with a with their wife, it, grief is like a hot potato. Nobody wants to touch it. Can we just move on? Can we just, can right. we, right. okay, we'll come for counseling for a little bit. Can we go on? It does not work that way, no matter what the loss right. is, but especially the loss of a and, child. You know, as a, as someone who specializes in, in, in helping people, helping guide people through the grief process, I mean, are there, I, I guess I, I hesitate to say the word tips, but like, are there things that you have found helpful to be a catalyst Yes. to encourage people to to get there and to the get started purpose. Yeah. yeah the first thing that the first thing that i'm going to say for anybody who's listening whether you're a counselor a friend a family member a colleague a, a, a bystander listen to people and please stop telling people you know how they feel i might know how I might have an idea how someone feels who's lost a child, but I have no idea how they really feel because all of our backgrounds are different. How we got here, what came here. Listening to people is, is so important. Then they're going to tell you who they are. They're going to tell you what they need if, if you talk and listen long enough. And they're going to hear themselves. And in all of that is where those little, you, you mine the gems, you mine the emotional emeralds, you mine the spiritual sapphires. That's what we learn in chaplain school. You mine, you look for whatever it is that's going to help them see what they need to see. We're mirrors for people as far as I'm concerned. I walk beside my clients. I'm not ahead of them. I'm not behind them. I walk beside them. If they got to go backwards, we take a step back. They're ready to go forward. We go forward. We do it together. There's no, they need to be here. Now, if somebody's stuck, I refer them out. If they need some other kind of help, if they need treatment, if they need drug and alcohol, if they need trauma, so many people have unresolved trauma. And I'll say this, if I told you how many times a client comes in and they'll tell me I'm here because my child died, but oh, by the way, I was molested as a child and they've never unpacked that. Where do we start? Yeah. We start where the fire's the hottest. You start where the fire's the hottest, you get that you get that, you know, somewhat settled down and then see how it, how it goes. So, you know, this Jessica, it's a juggling act. It's yeah. what's most important. What's where's the, where's the hottest fire and then go from there. So most people want to have something to look forward to the parents who lose an only child. Like I did, that was, that was really hard. So how I, how I say to them, plan a trip, uh, connect with a friend looking forward doesn't have to be big going back to college it doesn't have right. to be huge yeah. start small 
Start small with something that inspires you. Reconnect with nature. Um, one of the things I did when I was studying grief was I did the Camino. Do you know that? Do you know the way, the movie The Way with Martin Sheen and Emilio Estevez, where they go from Spain to Portugal or France to Portugal and you stay in these hostels and you walk this path and you end up in a cathedral? Sounds really familiar. Yeah. It's a, I highly recommend right. people watch mm -hmm. it. And it does address grief, clearly addresses grief. Um, there are so many things. It's a pilgrimage. There's so many things people can do. And, and I'll say this because we I did um, Spain to Portugal. So I was able to go to Fatima first. And having been raised Catholic, even though I don't practice today, all of those things are important to me. Yeah. So we went to Fatima and I was I had a life-changing experience there. We were going through the churches in Portugal, and there was one church with Mary with a statue with a dagger in her heart, and there's a scripture that goes with it. And I stood there, and I almost fainted because I knew in that moment she knew how I felt. Wow. Yeah. I had to walk out and take a breath, and then I walked mm -hmm. back in, and I'm like, oh, my God, she knows how I feel. I felt so connected to Mary, which is my middle name, um, my baptism name, actually, but I felt so connected to her. And then it hit me. Well, God knows how I feel. Even if God is, doesn't feel like humans feel, God let, according to the story, his own son die for us, right? Mm -hmm. So I use that with my clients a lot. You are not alone. Because they'll say, where was God? God was right there. And if he played favorites, we wouldn't be having this conversation. If he'd have saved his son, if he'd, have, if he'd have not had his son die for us, if that story's true, which I do believe, then we wouldn't be here. So some people who are Christian and believe that, that helps them because all of a sudden, whoa. And I'll say, well, your son or your daughter was chosen for their path. Find out what that is. What can you glean and learn from what your child died from or what they lived through? What is the lesson here? Where's the gifts? And people go, gifts, he died. Yeah, there's gifts in death yeah. everywhere. Well, I also everywhere. think like people who have a belief system about death and dying oftentimes do better you know they have something to hold on to for you know i'll see i see people um i see a lot of people who come in with fear like fear of death fear of someone dying like a lot of fear about that and we talk about well what are your beliefs about that i don't know I don't have any beliefs about that. And it's like, well, this is an opportunity for you to like, when you say look inward, right. And to, to um, identify what that looks like for you and um, kind of create that, you know, uh, on something, I guess I want to say that healing and comforting, that's what I'm looking for. When I, when I had cancer before the healing of cancer, I, I wasn't afraid of death. I was afraid of, 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 dying in pain it was it was the dying like having to say goodbye and all of that and leaving my child who already lost her father that's i was i didn't have life-threatening cancer but i didn't know that when you're first i have melanoma when you're first diagnosed you don't know sure it, yeah. until they do all the testing after after my healing from cancer i had a dream and the governor said get involved with hospice i didn't even know who the governor of nevada was but he told me to get involved with hospice hospice training taught me how to live not how to die it taught me how to live yeah. and be in the moment to the best of my ability at that time. Um, and what I'll say to you there is, is I find more people, and this is what I would say, because we do want to talk about suicide. People will come to me and say, I'm suicidal. Do you have a plan? No. Are you? Do you just not want to be here? Yes. A lot of people don't want to be here. It's so painful. That is not suicidal ideation. That is uncomfortability that is that is why we seek that anesthesia drug alcohol food mm. shopping sex whatever we're looking for to fill that hole it's the uncomfortability my understanding the anecdote to addiction is identify express and feel your feelings if we could learn to sit do you know in other countries when people are grieving they get they gather and they they wail they let the mother or the people just just like you let a sound out to birth a child you let a sound out to grieve a child like there's all kinds of practices. We don't want to be uncomfortable. Well, of course and, not. And so and I love, like, I loved, I, I don't know, I read a book last year and it was like, we think we need to be comfortable all the time. 
And sometimes we're just uncomfortable. Yeah, the, that was like mind yeah. blowing for me. Yeah. And it is, it's like, and other, what other people are doing and saying is about them. So when they want you to get over the grief, it's about exactly. them being uncomfortable that you haven't moved on. I will, I will end on this. When Jess died in August and she visited her cousin and her best friend within a, within days, probably the next day of dying. So, but they were, her cousin that wasn't so close to her and he loved her dearly, but they weren't super, super close, but she went to him because he could hear her. But then a couple months later, she went to an old boyfriend and they had been through something together. They had, they were pregnant and they decided not to have the baby. And she didn't want to do that, but she did. She carried out an abortion and um, she came to him and she said, look, because she had broken up with him the week he was going to propose. And she said, I am so sorry I hurt you. But after we terminated the pregnancy, I just couldn't get over it. And um, she said, but I had to die young and I had to die in childbirth. So if we had had that baby, you would have been the husband and father and I would have still died. Now, he was Pentecostal. He didn't believe in this stuff. And he, he called me months later and said, Mom, I got to tell you something. And when he told me, I'm like, why didn't you call me? Why didn't you send her to me? Once she said that, it didn't take all my sting away, but she kept telling us it was her destiny. Why did I keep beating myself up going, if only I went to counseling one more time, if only I got one Mm -hmm. more specialist. Mm -hmm. That's a natural part of grief to think if I, because we don't want to feel we don't have some control or some, but we do not have control over anything. We think we do. I I still struggle with that. I know I'm trying, you know, trying to live in the moment and now, but I sometimes get clicked back over to, oh yeah, I have control and, you know. Not really. We wish we did. We do. Absolutely. And honestly, that's too big of a responsibility. I, it's a big responsibility to bring them in. Oh, it's peaceful to let go. Right. Is, I I mean, to me, it's a much easier to, to live in the flow and live in the moment than it is to try to think I have any kind of control. And I think, you know, I think about that saying, you know, when people say Jesus, take the wheel, (laughs) that's what I think of like what you're talking about. It's like, Oh, okay, here you go. I'm going to sit in the passenger seat, (laughs) Um, you know, which is, is, is difficult to do, but if we can get there, you know, peaceful and very difficult in our society very very difficult you know this was so incredible i'm so glad that you took the time um to to meet with us thank you so much you're very welcome and uh, this is this is this is the beginning of a whole new chapter yeah so your timing and inviting me is is lining up with my timing of coming forward going forward is the word words And I thank you. This is beyond sacred to me. Thanks for listening today. Don't forget to subscribe so you can hear our latest episodes as soon as they drop. And if you love today's episode, leave a review. We'd love to hear from you.